With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And is worth two in the bush. I have been at Fawn Court once or twice, said Lizzie, with her sweetest grace, and I always think it is a model of real family happiness. Well, I hope you may be there very often, said Lord Fawn. Oh, I have no right to intrude myself often on your mother, Lord Fawn. There could hardly be a better opening than this for him had he chosen to accept it. But it was not thus that he had arranged it, for he had made his arrangements. Oh, there would be no feeling of that kind, I am sure, he said. And then he was silent. How was he to deploy himself on the ground before him so as to make the strategy which he had prepared answer the occasion of the day? Lady Eustace, he said, I don't know what your views of life may be. I have a child, you know, to bring up. Uh, yes, uh, that gives a great interest, of course. He will inherit a very large fortune, Lord Fawn. Too large, I fear, to be of service to a youth of one and twenty. And I must endeavor to fit him for the possession of it. That is, and always must be, the chief object of my existence. Then she felt she had said too much. He was just the man who would be fool enough to believe her. Not but what it is hard to do it. A mother can, of course, devote herself to her child. But when a portion of the devotion must be given to the preservation of material interests, there is less of tenderness in it. Don't you think so? No doubt, said Lord Fawn. No doubt. But he had not followed her and was still thinking of his own strategy. It's a comfort, of course, to know that one's child is provided for. Oh, yes. But they tell me the poor little dear will have forty thousand a year when he's of age, and when I look at him in his little bed and press him in my arms and think of all that money, I almost wish that his father had been a poor, plain gentleman. Then the handkerchief was put to her eyes, and Lord Fawn had a moment in which to collect himself. Ah! I, myself, am a poor man, for my rank, I mean. A man with your position, Lord Fawn, and your talents and genius for business can never be poor. My father's property was all Irish, you know. Was it indeed? And he was an Irish peer till Lord Melbourne gave him an English peerage. An Irish peer, was he? Lizzie understood nothing of this, but presumed that an Irish peer was a peer who had not sufficient money to live upon. Lord Fawn, however, was endeavouring to describe his own history in as few words as possible. 
He was then made Lord Fawn of Richmond, in the peerage of the United Kingdom. Fawn Court, you know, belonged to my mother's father before my mother's marriage. The property in Ireland is still mine, but there's no place on it. Indeed. There was a house, but my father allowed it to tumble down. It's in Tipperary. Not at all a desirable country to live in. Oh, dear, no. Don't they murder the people? Oh, it's about five thousand a year. Uh, and out of that, my, uh, my mother has half for her life. What an excellent family arrangement, said Lizzie. There was so long a pause made between each statement that she was forced to make some reply. You see, for a peer, the fortune is very small indeed. But then you have a salary, don't you? At present I have, but no one can tell how long that may last. I'm sure it's for everybody's good that it should go on for ever so many years, said Lizzie. Oh, thank you, said Lord Fawn. I'm afraid, however, there are a great many people who don't think so. Your cousin Greystock would do anything on earth to turn us out. Luckily, my cousin Frank has not much power, said Lizzie and in saying it she threw into her tone and into her countenance a certain amount of contempt for Frank, as a man and as a politician, which was pleasant to Lord Fawn. "'Now,' said he, "'I have told you everything about myself, which I was bound as a man of honour to tell before I—in uh, uh, short, you know what I mean.' "'Oh, Lord Fawn, I have told you everything. I owe no money, but—' I could not afford to marry a wife without an income. I admire you more than any woman I ever saw. I love you with all my heart. He was now standing upright before her, with the fingers of his right hand touching his left breast, and there was something almost of dignity in his gesture and demeanor. It may be that you are determined never to marry again. I can only say that if you will trust yourself to me— yourself and your child, I will do my duty truly by you both, and will make your happiness the chief object of my existence. When she had listened to him thus far, of course she must accept him, but he was by no means aware of that. She sat silent with her hands folded on her breast, looking down upon the ground, but he did not as yet attempt to seat himself by her. "'Lady Eustace,' he continued, "'may I venture to entertain a hope?' "'May I not have an hour to think upon it?' said Lizzie, "'just venturing to turn a glance of her eye upon his face. "'Oh, certainly, I, I will call again whenever you may bid me.' "'Now she was silent for two or three minutes, "'during which he still stood above her. But he had dropped his hand from his breast, and had stooped, and picked up his hat, ready for his departure. Was he to come again on Monday, or Tuesday, or Wednesday? Let her tell him that, and he would go. He doubtless reflected that Wednesday would suit him best, because there would be no house. But Lizzie was too magnanimous for this. "'Lord Vaughan,' she said, rising, "'you have paid me the greatest compliment that a man can pay a woman.' "'Coming from you it is doubly precious, first because of your character, and sec—why, secondly, was well, secondly, because I can love you.' This was said in her lowest whisper, and then she moved towards him, 
gently and almost laid her head upon his breast. Of course he put his arm around her waist, but it was first necessary that he should once more disembarrass himself of his hat, and then her head was upon his breast. "'Dearest Lizzie,' he said. "'Dearest Frederick,' she murmured. "'I shall write to my mother to-night,' he said. "'Do, do, dearest Frederick, and she will come to you at once, I am sure.' "'I will receive her and love her as a mother,' said Lizzie, with all her energy. Then he kissed her again, her forehead and her lips, and took his leave, promising to be with her at any rate on Wednesday. "'Lady Fawn,' she said to herself. The name did not sound so well as that of Lady Eustace, but it is much to be a wife, and more to be a peeress.' End of chapter 8